Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Wild Mountain Time. You don't have to see the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware that there may be spoilers. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry. I'm doing a professional intro like a real podcast, but no, we don't do that, do we? <laughs> no, how dare you? We are unprofessional <laughs> to our cause. Not going to start doing that after like 200 episodes, you know? No. You know, all the no. podcasts you listen to do that. Why should why should we do that for you? Why shouldn't we be different? Yeah, we, we have no structure. That's why you love us. <laughs> We do. We do. I think we we do have some structure, but we don't have like, oh, let's get onto our features now. Three minutes in, an annoying ad for boner pills or whatever. You know, it's <laughs> or Eagle Moon Hemp. Have you heard this one? Eagle Moon Hemp. This is. I, I maybe this is just the podcast that I listen to. So was, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm hearing this advertised on baseball podcasts that I listen to. Maybe loads of them. Yeah, Eagle Moon Hemp. It's the like. Um, C- selling CBD oil and all that kind of stuff make you feel nice. I'm open to it, but you know, it's just a, it seems funny that it's popping up on podcasts at the I moment, see. like it's the new Squarespace. It's yeah, or um, the one that's often popular on YouTube videos is Raid Shadow Legends, the mobile video game, um, which clearly pays a lot of people money to promote its terrible, terrible gameplay. So. We don't like you, Raid Shadow Legends. If you offered us a sponsorship deal, we'd tell you to go away. Yeah, we would not take your money. We totally would. No, <laughs> we'd <laughs> take your money. So anyway, hello. Or yeah, this as broadcast they say, is brought to you I... by The Legend of Zelda, The Minish Cap, which I am playing right now. So if Nintendo <laughs> want to give me some money, I'm, I'm cool with that. It is brought to you by Pokemon. Um, which I am playing at the moment. But in a few days' time, I will be playing the Mass Effect trilogy. Do you know Mass Effect? Is it a space thing, shooty space thing? It is. It is. It's sort of a shooty space thing. It's also, it's more of an RPG. So there's lots of shooting in it because we are talking about video games where the only way to progress any video game is through excessive violence. But it's more about the storytelling and the world building. And the Mass Effect trilogy is getting a sort of remaster which is coming out and all three of the games are going to be available in one package um and i am looking forward to being uh unleashing my commander shepherd on the galaxy once more he will be the purest himbo he will be going around uh, <laughs> and solving... that's something we love on this podcast we do we love a himbo um we've but... never used that word but i think we're both <laughs> but... aware of the term and we know that it's it is very much in our territory Yes, yeah, exactly. My 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 Commander Shepard uh, goes around the galaxy solving crimes, wearing excellent clothes, and having sex with anything that wants to have sex with him. And that is how you should play Mass Effect. 
That so basically Channing Tatum in uh, Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> exactly. You should play Mass Effect as if you are Channing Tatum in Jupiter Ascending. Um, but Clip those dog ears on your head and get down to business. <laughs> but but that is not the uh, the topic of today's episode. So I shall say to you, as they say was. in Ireland, top of the morning to you. Um, yeah. We watched a Bottom movie. Bottom of the morning as well. <laughs> Bottom of the evening to me. Um, we watched Wild Mountain Time. Thank yeah. you for this, Paddy. Thank you for choosing this movie. You're welcome. And I, I hope the people of Ireland will thank me as well for getting a few more people to watch this film that gives it, you know, <laughs> a very, very real and contemporary and fun and enjoyable portrait of life in rural Ireland. I'm sure it's entirely accurate to what it's like to live in rural Ireland. Um, yeah. This, this movie written by John Patrick Shanley and directed by uh, John Patrick Shanley based on his play, I believe. Yes. Um, his play is, of a different title or the same title? Not um, that I actually a different, <laughs> A different title. So it was called um, Outside Mullingar. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that Patrick... sounds like directions to a B&Q, doesn't it? So I'm <laughs> su- not surprised they didn't up. go for that. Yeah, um, but jo- John Patrick Shanley, he's got some good credits, um, wrote Moonstruck, a movie that yeah. we both thoroughly enjoyed. Now, this is a really important bit of context before we really dig into Wild Mountain Time, because Moonstruck was a film that I think we both really liked. Yes, yeah. Um, and that but, was a film about Italian-Americans, right? of which he is not. He's an American of Irish descent, but obviously still managed to write this wonderful film that came from a place of truth and authenticity. So he must have had some connection there. But Nicolas Cage was the real Italian hero of that film, of course. <laughs> yes, yeah. And but Cher, I think, Cher um, is fantastic in Moonstruck as well. So that a was a really movie. enjoyable and funny film. And this very much is not. So the disconnect between <laughs> those two things is is wild, for want of a better word. Um, so yeah, it's it's quite strange, isn't it? And there there are odd through roads between them in terms of the way that they're written and the way that the dialogue appears. Um, yeah, so so there, there there are some strange through roads in the way that the dialogue feels in Moonstruck and the way that it feels in Wild Mountain Time. Obviously, the dialogue in Moonstruck is vastly superior, but they they are written in a similar way. So there there is a there is a similarity there. But but he's had a he's had a good career though. You know, he also wrote um Joe versus the volcano. Um he also wrote Alive, which was a, a I've very, not seen that. What's that? Uh Joe versus the Volcano is a Tom Hanks I think it's Tom Hanks. Uh it's been a long while since I saw it. Um uh, it's like a, a rom com where I think he wants to go throw himself in a volcano. Um, but love stops him, uh, basically. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what you'd expect from a film yeah. with that kind of title, I <laughs> he guess. He goes there, he fights, literally <laughs> fights a volcano. Um, but he did a live, which is the 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 film about the the plane plane that comes down in the in the mountains and they've got to eat each other to stay alive. Um, based on true, which events. I have heard of because it was parodied on The Simpsons. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, he also wrote Congo. Uh, which is a wonderful movie. Have you ever watched Congo? No. Uh, based on a Michael Crichton novel, um, a bunch of adventurers go into uh, the jungles of Congo and uh, they're there to find the lost city of gold. 
Um, <laughs> that sounds like a Prince film. One of one of them. Uh, one of them wants to bring a gorilla back to its natural habitat. This gorilla uses a voice box to speak, um, so it learns sign language, and then that replicates it in a robot voice. Um, so you've got robot voice gorilla, a bunch of adventurers. Um, <laughs> one played by tim curry in possibly his greatest performance it's such a shame that it's in a movie that no one remembers he's doing this you have outrageous... told me about this before when we've been talking yeah. about tim curry he's he's doing this outrageous some kind of eastern european accent you've got ernie hudson and most importantly you've also got killer gorillas you throw all of those things together into a movie with an active volcano and oh it is beautiful congo maybe we can watch it sometime i'd really love us to watch it there is some romance in it um that's the only prerequisite <laughs> for being on this show so, yeah, so so maybe maybe we'll do congo next i did have a movie lined up um but i've decided against it as i mentioned to you earlier um, yeah offline for reasons that i will not <laughs> talk about here um but uh but reasons to congo. do with a certain island it's an island exactly so maybe congo maybe we'll go congo next um or maybe we'll go joe versus the volcano next we'll we'll have a we'll have a john patrick shanley month is there Um, any greater love than the love between a man and a volcano (laughs) of course not it's the original original maybe we could do a volcano special and do that and the one where jason isaacs runs a hotel that's in a volcano and it blows up or whatever which came out last year yes definitely and dante's hotel death Dante's, Dante's hotel Dante's yeah. peak as well that's got romance in it yep and Bronholm um, do you think uh, does, does the movie volcano have romance in it that's the only other volcano movie I can think of what is that one so that's the one where there's a volcano that erupts in LA and Tommy Lee Jones fights a volcano <laughs> so, so we've got more than one film where someone's fighting a volcano a couple <laughs> yes, where people yeah. are romancing a volcano what about Pacific Rim isn't that a vo- like volcano big robot movie no, it's a it's a big monster, big robot movie. Oh, okay. I for some reason thought that it was something to do with like a volcanic, like a a fault line. What do you call it? A tectonic well, it, plate. It, it might it might be. Maybe that's what unleashes the monsters. But there's the big selling point is there's big monsters and then men in robots fight them. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, none Sounds of this good. happens in the movie while yeah so john time. patrick shanley you've got you've got pedigree from congo of making fun films about like jungles and volcanoes and whatever was there a volcano in congo i don't care there, there, is, there now. is there is so yeah you've got pedigree from doing all that kind of stuff why have you made this load of nonsense <laughs> um and what's what's strange is that it's also he's he doesn't direct often and this is also a, a film he's directed i suppose because it's based on on his play as well he wanted to have complete control did he direct moonstruck as well as writing it i don't think so no um it's uh yeah um but it's it, it's a real um disaster i think is yeah it's the it was, only way it is terrible <clears throat> it was a real slog to get through as well did you find that and that's what surprised me because was it leap year the other movie set in ireland oh god yeah the one with matthew um, good with matthew, matthew good bad more and, like. and amy adams 
Um, that one was so so awful. I'll put a link to our episode <laughs> about it. Uh, yeah, we. I guess we need to decide whether this is worse than Leap Year. Uh, genuinely, is really tough. They're both bad in completely different ways, I suppose. Yeah, but, because yeah. because that's what surprised me. Because when I saw the trailers of this, I was expecting something a little more like Leap Year. Um, because Leap Year is is. <laughs> is terrible and one-dimensional but things happen and and it keeps going and you're never in one place for more than five it's minutes. got action she put plugs in her mobile phone and blows up the hold of dingle there's a car <laughs> rolling down a hill at some point yeah you know? whereas wild mountain time you can tell that it's based on a play because the entirety of it takes place in a small house and a field and yeah. that's it sometimes um, in a car <laughs> sometimes in a car um so sometimes in a plane for like one scene oh yes yeah um so it is in which the guy when the plane is landing says we're now beginning our descent into ireland you don't say the name of the country (laughs) the pilot says the name of the airport like that's that's just one instance of thousands of instances in this film where people say things that no one would ever say in real life ever which is not to say that every bit of dialogue has to be kitchen sink realism but it's like this film really took that that to a whole new level didn't it we're now making our descent to planet earth thank you for flying with generic airways i mean it is aer lingus though yeah yeah they got their logo slapped on there for a few pounds (laughs) i'm sure they paid handsomely for it and now and are now regretting it (laughs) i mean if it's if it's not got aer lingus everywhere is it really an irish movie or, or um, uh, an American's idea no, of an of Irish not. movie, I suppose, um, is a better way of putting it. Um, but but there's there's lots of things that are terrible about this film, um, and and part of it is that it's incredibly sluggish. Um, like I said, you can just tell that this is a play rather than a movie, just because of the way that it lingers for so long on everything. Um, it's 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 incredibly dialogue heavy. There's no movement. I mean, when you watch a movie, even if it is a dialogue heavy movie, you want there to be, you know, camera movements to keep you engaged. And that's just one of the one of the one of the um, languages of cinema. Is even that's why everyone very... loves Quentin Tarantino so much because he his films have loads of dialogue, but they also have people like cutting people and shooting people <laughs> and running around and stuff. That's but, why but, he's got but, it. He's got that down to an art, and that's why but, people but, like but, him. But not even, not even just that, because in Tarantino movies, a lot of the scenes that people really love are the very dialogue-heavy scenes. But it's the way in which those scenes move, and the way in which our brains interpret that movement and turn it into something entertaining. And you could take the most engaging plot and engaging dialogue, and if it is literally just shot reverse shot reverse it's not going to in be an enjoyable viewing experience and that's exactly what happens with mild mountain time where you've got jamie dornan and emily blunt standing in a field you've got jamie dornan sitting in a house with his dad uh played inexplicably by christopher walken who Um, somehow manages to be from both ireland and new jersey at the same time and and like i said he sounds like an irish vampire it's 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 um it's ireland via new jersey via transylvania um i have no idea what he's doing i'm glad he's in this film because he's glorious but he is not irish interview with Um, the irish vampire yeah um 
So, yeah, so it's just so John static. Patrick Shanley's Dracula. <laughs> Um, but it's so it's so unbelievably static, and I think that's that's one of the main problems. Is this is the kind of movie where, all right, if you want to put out, you want to put out tat, okay, fine, put out schmaltzy tat, but you need to have something engaging in there, and the characters are just unconnectable. You there there is no. The, the audience cannot really gain any empathy with these people because they act in such a bizarre way and they say such bizarre things that there's no way for you really to connect with them at all. I don't um, think it's even schmaltzy tat, is it? It's it's just so turgid. It's turgid tat. Well, but the thing is that, spo- spoiler alerts for Wild Mountain Time, the two We always people... have a spoiler alert at the beginning. <laughs> I know, I know, but I always like to double check just to make sure people... Okay. If you if really, you really care... care about what happens between Jamie Dorn and, and Emily Blunt in this romantic film where they're like kissing in the rain on the poster or whatever, if you really, really care, then yeah, turn this off now. <laughs> yeah, they get together. <laughs> surprise, surprise. If you can't people... guess what happens in a film that you know is riddled with hoary cliches about ireland they get together they're farmers they sing in a pub yes um so it rains it rains um but what 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 um what what i mean is that you know it's schmaltzy in the way that you've got these two people who grew up together they live on farms next to one another uh it's this unrequited love thing but they end up together at the end and that's a schmaltzy story but the way it gets there is just so doddering and bizarre and they say such weird stuff all the time and they make such strange decisions all the time that this is not a movie that is how it appears in the trailer no Um, not at all and i went into it with that knowledge of it having been a play adapted from a play because you know i always look up a little bit about a film before i watch it just so i have that kind of contextual knowledge (laughs) Whereas and, I refuse, I refuse <laughs> to learn refuse. anything. No, I again, well, yeah, I, I sort of go into every out. film cold. Yeah, I, I, uh, what's who the is name this of the Steven film? Spielberg? <laughs> what's a film? I don't what's, know. What what's a, a Jurassic is. Park? <laughs> and and I suppose some of the problem is that obviously you know books are for nerds. We've established this on this podcast. Many but times. plays are for even bigger nerds. Plays are for even bigger nerds. You know that is reading, but then reading it out loud to other people. In front of all of your extroverted friends. Yeah, which is just the worst nerd of all. The extroverted nerd. Um, (laughs) Spoiler. uh, Disclaimer, I don't dislike plays in real life. I thought you were going to say, I don't dislike extroverts. Uh, I do. Go away. Leave me alone. Stop stop being so energetic (laughs) and happy. Leave me to be in silence on my own, please. Thank you. Stop having to talk about everything. (laughs) Um... Just sit there and internalize it like me. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's it feels like a play. It feels like a play that someone's filmed and hasn't really established how to turn it into a movie successfully. Because you can do it. You know, we're talking about Barefoot in the Park or... Um, and that's an Glenn, old example of this it, as well. Exactly. There are so many great examples of that for, for it to to draw on that it just, yeah... It just completely missed the mark. Sorry, carry on. I was going to look up and see if there are other any other films that we have talked about that successfully did that, which I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm going to look at our list. 
Yeah, I, I was just going to say, you know, the other perfect example is Glengarry Glen Ross, which is a wonderful film. Ah, uh, yes. Um, and you What's can... my name? Fuck you, that's my name. <laughs> they, 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 there's loads of examples of it working incredibly well. You can turn plays into movies. It can work. Um, but you need to understand the way that you have to translate one form of storytelling into another. And, you know, John Patrick Shanley, he's been around. He's directed before. He's directed very well before. Um, he directed Doubt, which he also wrote, um, which is the movie starring Philip Seymour Hoffman about the relationship between a um, a priest and one of their students. And it's a very interesting movie. Joe versus the Volcano as well. I think he directed. Based um, on the play The Volcano and Joseph. <laughs> Joseph yeah. and the Technicolor Dream Volcano. Joe, Joe fights a volcano, I think the play was called. <laughs> um, so he's he's worked on this before, but that's what really struck me about this film is it is so just rigid. It is it is fully set on being a stage production. And uh, Mamma really Mia, needed... of course, is based on the um, the West End very, very highbrow stage production. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, no, the it... one I was thinking of was Steel Magnolias. Still which was a play yes, first yeah. and still appears regularly on um on theater circuits and we did i think point out some flaws in the adaptation where you could tell that it had been adapted from a play but it pulled it off didn't it yeah exactly it definitely did whereas this does not and i think what you need when you adapt a play to the cinema is you need a knife and you need to not be afraid to use it to trim that fat and add in elements that are more suitable for your different storytelling medium. And I think that's the real problem. I mean, that's not the real problem. The real problem <laughs> is that this is an insulting portrayal of Ireland with people who can't do Irish accents telling a stupid story where nothing happens. But you could have salvaged that if you'd done the adaptation better. Yeah, 100%. And again, maybe maybe it re- the play is like that word for word. And like, I could believe that. Because so much of it is just stuff that, and I watched it um, with the knowledge that it had been adapted from a play, and I was thinking it was kind of at the back of my mind a lot of the time when I was thinking this bit of dialogue seems really strange. Would this feel different if I could see the person saying it to me in the room in a theatre? And I think it would. A lot of the stuff where the lines are sort of overly philosophical, or where people are sort of really giving a really really emotional performance. It doesn't work on film because it hasn't used the medium of film to build up to that point. Whereas in a play, it generally, because they're right in front of you, you tend to have that kind of emotional connection with people more, even if they are acting badly, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think, and I'm not sure how well it would have worked even as a play. Um, I think I'd because, still be bored. Yeah, and I think I'm not sure how much I'd be able to gain from it as a play that I didn't gain from it as a movie. Because when you mention philosophy... That's that's where the real parallels to Moonstruck lie in terms of Moonstruck had a lot of that philosophical conversation as well, but Moonstruck did it well. And Wild, I was going to say Wild Honey Pie. That's a Beatles song, isn't it? <laughs> She's um, Wild Honey Pie. Can't drink of <laughs> water. Yeah, you know, you know the rest. Yeah, well, well, is it Wild Honey Pie? Is that what it's? Is that the the name? That's that's Something the one like where that. where the Beatles just sing honey pie over and over again. 
Like, like that's literally the only lyrics. God bless them. It's of course should it, they should have made the film then. Wild Mountain Time and of them all just dicking around in a, on a farm in Ireland. <laughs> yeah, I would have loved that. That would have been great. Um, and then but, some Irish crooks come after them, and then it basically becomes Taffin, but with the Beatles. <laughs> I mean, Taffin—that's that, another great Irish movie. We, uh, we I think that's we, the greatest Irish film ever made. Yeah, one hundred percent. Win the shakes of barley. Get out of here. <laughs> serious, serious movies. Get out. Boring. Have you ever seen um, Win the shakes the barley? No. What's oh, that about? It's very, very good. It's I know of it. It's about uh, the IRA. Oh, um, cool. It's it's very, very good. Uh, <laughs> maybe not for the. Uh, the 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 population of our podcast listeners if you're listening to a podcast about romantic comedies you might not enjoy a very grim depiction of of, of the ira but yeah. if you like ireland and you want to learn about irish history uh then that's a better place to go than wild mountain time <laughs> yes absolutely or maybe um, try something like michael collins with liam neeson yeah that's a good yeah. one um but um but yeah, that there's a similar kind of philosophical dialogue in Moonstruck when they're talking about what the moon does to men and women and things like that. And 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 there's a sort of there's a sort of similarity here in yeah. um in 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 World Mountain Time, apart from it's just done incredibly badly. So uh the, do you think it's to do with humor this is the thing that made me think about it is that wild mountain time it was really turgid and dour and then at points it just suddenly tried to inject humor and you're like what the fuck where is this coming from whereas in moonstruck it was all there were some bits of it that were very deep but on the surface it was there was a goof factor to it wasn't there there was a light-heartedness to it where it felt like it was self-aware and it was funny whereas wild mountain time is not funny but it tries to inject humor and it totally fails well, I think World Mountain Time, it's trying to be comedy a lot of the time and just failing very badly. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's just injections of humor here and there. I think a lot of the dialogue is meant to be witty and supposed to maybe not make you laugh out loud, but have a smile on your face. Although the the subject matter is quite serious at times. There's lots of old people who die in this film. Yeah, very um, suddenly. <laughs> it's very suddenly. Um, we'll get but, onto the pacing, but yeah. Jesus yeah. Um, but I think a lot of it is still meant to be humorous. You've got all of this witty dialogue you've got a man proposing to a donkey you've got car crashes that are meant to be played off as funny um you've oh, got this john... just sounds like an episode of father ted <laughs> oh exactly um you've got john ham inexplicably being in this movie for no reason yeah um walking it's... around being john ham yeah just being john ham um that there, there, there is there is meant to be humor here it just fails very badly um, but just some examples of that philosophical nonsense that this this movie puts out. There's lots of pseudo intellectual, terrible dialogue in this. Um, so they're saying, but again, uh, would that work for you on stage? No, no. I I would throw a little tub of ice cream at the at the actors. <laughs> You'd be there booing. A boo. Yeah, you've got. Um, You've got Emily Blunt and Jamie Dornan having a conversation. Anthony and Rosemary. And Anthony says, oh, you go up to the sky when you die. And Emily Blunt goes, no, you go and into the ground. At which point, <laughs> Jamie Dornan turns around and goes, oh, well, what's the sky for then? And you're Jeremy supposed... Dornan. <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn and Jamie Dornan yeah, get into... That's cool. Get into the, uh, a, um, the machine from the fly and get spliced together. 
Um, oh dear. Ja- Jamie, yeah, Jamie Dorden then goes, "What's the sky for?" And you're supposed to think, "Oh, that's like a little clever line of dialogue," but it's not. It's it's um, magnets. How do they work? I made a note of that because I was like, I put down that's something a five year old would ask. Yeah, or <laughs> what's the um, sky for? Uh, what's what, the sky for? <laughs> what's the um, Jaden Smith um, quote that everyone mocks as well? Um, he said something incredibly silly on Twitter. I don't know. Um, how can mirrors be real if our eyes aren't real? <laughs> what? Um, that doesn't he, make any sense. <laughs> Jaden Smith has some wonderful... He's He's Confucius for our generation. That either makes no sense or that makes the most sense ever. <laughs> yeah. It's, How can mirrors be real one of two ways. if our eyes aren't real? Um, the biggest flex anyone will ever have is dying. <laughs> uh, the more time you spend awake, the more time you spend asleep. Are these still Jaden Smith quotes? <laughs> yes. This is sounding like a coffee table book with the illustrated yeah, images over, yeah, ni- you know, over nice stock images. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then you yeah. turn the page and it's the meme of Margaret Thatcher where she's saying, the problem with pissing on my grave is that you eventually run out of piss, which you sent me the other day. <laughs> I did send you that the other day. Um, I'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> Please do. Um, but but Wild Mountain Time, it has that kind of... It's written by Jaden Smith, I think, secretly. Yes. Um, because it's got all of that kind of stuff. You've got you've got Emily Blunt's character saying, men are tool to balance the truth and goodness of women. And it's like, what? What does that even mean? You know? Um, yeah, when they're having conversations, basically sort of the, the last third of the movie is one long conversation between them about, I love you, maybe. Should we get together? I don't know. Here's some reasons why. But also, I love you, even though... We've both told each other we love each other and we obviously like each other. We're going to hold off on having any physical intimacy at all because we just need to talk about it some more. Um, and in that, there's loads of these weird lines, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there's all sorts of that stuff. You've got the what will eventually be notorious, I'm sure, um, line of dialogue where Jamie Dornan repeats, I'm a honeybee, over and over Yeah, again. <laughs> where it suddenly um, becomes B-movie. <laughs> Yeah, it becomes B movie, and and you know it's it's meant to be a metaphor, obviously, but it takes so long to get around to the rest of the metaphor that he's literally there, and I think he says it three or four times, doesn't he? He just goes, "I'm a honeybee." Before, yeah, but then they're in the car driving to collect John Ham from the airport, and she's going, "You genuinely, literally believe you're a honeybee," which kind of takes the sting out of the metaphor, doesn't it? It does, pun intended. Um, And of course, she is the most beautiful flower, and he's the honeybee. Um, which sounds like it should be a line of dialogue from a Tom Jones song. Um, yeah, or a Jonathan Richmond song. <laughs> but instead, it is here in this film. Um, do honeybees fuck flowers? Yeah, that's that's what they do, don't they? Uh, right. That was in the extended cut of the of B movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> do you remember? We didn't watch that cut. We couldn't find it. Yeah, the, the cursed cut. Um <laughs> But I think, yeah, and and that's the real problem is if you're going to have a movie that's character centric, you need to make those characters relatable or engaging. If you're going to have a movie where nothing happens, you need to have something that really ties you to that nothing happening. Um, And this movie just just fails to do that. Um, You know, it's not often that you get a movie 
that's this boring that is just so stupid often something that's boring can still be intelligent or something that's stupid can be entertaining but this is the 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 incredible cross section of the two is is yeah and that's not a a good thing truly a work of art it's the thing that's less than the sum of those parts Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, I did not enjoy this film at all. There's there's moments that are enjoyable. Christopher Walken is terrible. He's um, he's probably actually the worst. And I don't want to disrespect him because he is a great actor and he's had a wonderful, amazing career and he's old, but man, he is awful in this film. He's he's like, true. But terrible. he is also he's his like his performance is kind of vaguely amusing to watch in that sort of shit PC way, isn't it? Whereas every time Jamie Dornan's face is on camera, I'm just like, oh god. Come on, hurry up! <laughs> and you know, I don't, I don't dislike Jamie Dornan. Obviously, he's in some of the worst movies of all time, and some um, of the worst movies that we've discussed. Yes, yeah. Has he ever done a good film? I wanted to ask um, you that because I think you might have seen more of his work than I have. Let me, let me have a little look. He's in a very good television series um, called The Fool, uh, The Fool, um, which is about a serial killer. Um, it's him and Gillian um, uh, Anderson. It's a fantastic. Okay. Uh, f- fantastic uh, television series, um, but he is in um, Marie Antoinette. He has a, a, a smallish role. Oh in yes, that's right. We like that. Um, which is which is a, a good little movie. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if he's been in. He's in Anthropoid, which I've heard is very good, um, which is about trying to kill Nazis. So you know, okay, can't go wrong with that, can you? Um, okay, well, I, I think that he probably can act and he probably is yeah. good, but most of the stuff I've seen him in has been terrible and not necessarily because of him, but yeah, I think that's the problem. I think he was he... giving it his all in the Fifty Shades trilogy, but also he did the Fifty Shades trilogy. Yeah, there's n- he can't really do anything with the Fifty Shades trilogy and it'd be good. Um, no. He is in um, a movie called Synchronic, which came out, I think, last year. Um, that's directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who did Spring, uh, which we both okay. really enjoyed. Um, that was a brilliant film. And apparently Synchronic is very, very good as well. It's very time-bendy, uh, which is something that I always enjoy a movie. I've not had a chance to watch it yet, but I, I have heard very good things about it. Um, uh, so he's been in... He, he's got talent, but unfortunately a lot of the things that he'd been in m- movie-wise um are just notorious for being bad um, so it's, it's, a, it's the nicholas cage problem <laughs> yeah exactly exactly although maybe jamie dornan also like is about to lose all his money buying castles <laughs> by the way i watched that nicholas cage movie um about him Stolen. turning up no <laughs> um <laughs> I'm not going to watch Stolen. Um, about uh, he turns up at a Chuck E. Cheese and the Chuck E. Cheese animatronics are haunted and try to kill him. Oh, did you yeah, see the trailer yeah. for that? I did. Yeah, I, I was Willy's, quite interested to see that. Willie's Wonderland, I think it's called. It's one of the worst <laughs> things I've ever seen in my life. I, I enjoy trash like that and I was really excited to see it. Um, but it's truly awful and not worth watching at all. Um, was it better or worse than Wild Mountain Time? Uh kind of similar in that the trailer makes it look much more engaging than it actually is from a bad movie perspective um it's one of it's that yeah there's actually a lot of similarities between the two because also incredibly poorly paced 
elements that should be entertaining and not entertaining lots of strange decisions being made with the with the movie making process that make you think why does this even exist um so yeah it, it is the it is the shit action horror movie version of wild mountain time <laughs> and funnily enough both films start with a voiceover saying hello welcome to ireland my name's colin and i'm dead <laughs> which to be fair when that started off you're like that made me laugh out loud i'm, yeah, I'm gonna be honest yeah um you did think okay this is going to be terrible, but this is actually quite entertaining. And and when that started, I was like, okay, I'm. And that's something you can't do go. in a play, is it? So I, it's like, of all the things you choose to do with the medium of film, you choose to add a stupid voiceover that is really unnecessary, but also did make me laugh out loud. So yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed the voiceover. I'm not going to lie; it's one of the things I enjoyed more about this film. Um, but you needed you needed more things to make it feel more like a actual movie. I think is the real problem here. Yeah, for sure. Um, more so, use of the word gobshite, which was used in yeah, somewhere. Yeah. More of Emily Blunt shouting, "Burn in hell, you shite horse!" <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and and you obviously have Irish roots more so yes. than myself. Um, I remember that you were somewhat offended by P.S. I Love You um, and also somewhat offended by um, Leap Year. Are you also offended by Wild Mountain Time? Are you Uh, more offended by Wild Mountain Time? I don't know if I'm offended as much as I'm just disappointed. I'm not angry with you. I'm disappointed in you. (laughs) You know, it's just like. Yeah, it's it's it is somehow worse, isn't it? Because it's yeah, you just it could have been good and it could have been really enjoyable, but it decided to have lots of cliches in it, and it's not it's not goofy cliche, is it? It's just like stuff. Oh yeah, we get it. Of course, the next scene is going to be them singing in a pub because what else do you do in Ireland? It's like, but all of that stuff could have been fine, and you know, all of that kind of to have a film against the sort of pastoral Irish backdrop, it's possible to do that without cliche as long as that stuff isn't foregrounded. But every ten seconds, there's some line of dialogue that tells that reminds you that they're Irish farmers and they're Irish. So it's just like do that thing without doing that. You know, if you think about a film like God's Own Country, where obviously that's a very that's quite a serious film. There's no element of humour to it really. But it did that pastoral thing really, really well and didn't foreground any of that stuff. It was just in the background. It's about what you choose to foreground, isn't it? And this actually pushed the romantic story to the background in favour of all that going, hi, I'm Irish. Here's some dialogue about how Irish I am. Yeah, I I found that a lot of the the Irish elements were very tiresome. Um, You've got... We're in rural Ireland, so of course we, like you said, of course we sing down the pub um sing folk songs down the pub folk songs down the pub of course um of course all our dialogue has got to be whimsical and vaguely mystical um and like you said it lacks that it needed something more real to it and something that really stood out for me is he gets given a white raincoat which obviously and this is one of the more interesting moments in the movie is he gets given this gift by John Hamm. Jamie Dorn gets given this 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 gift by John Hamm of this white raincoat. And obviously it's a bad idea. He works on a farm. Why the hell would you wear a white raincoat if you worked <laughs> on a farm? It's going to get ruined really quickly. Um, and it showed this really interesting dynamic between the two of 
you know, John Hamm's character, you know, coming into this location that he doesn't know anything about, trying to fit in, or maybe not fit in, but at least be pleasant to these people, but not recognizing the reality of how things work. And and that was like a vaguely interesting critique of the American ideal of what Ireland is. Um, the issue is, of course, that the rest of the movie entirely plays into that same American ideal about what Ireland is yeah. uh, completely <laughs> uncritically. Um, but I was I was there thinking, OK, so at some point he's going to like fall on his ass and the white coat's going to be ruined um, or something like that. And literally it never happens. And it's even there on the bloody poster. He's wearing the white raincoat. And you just think this is meant to be, you know, um Chekhov's gun isn't it yeah it's an unshot Chekhov's gun in this movie um <laughs> and you're yeah, just like, all, if anyone's wearing white clothing they have to fall in the mud and weirdly this film has him falling in a lake but it's before that yeah, it's the wrong way around yeah. clearly we've heard of him randomly falling in a, in a lake to show how sort of charming and bashful he is yeah and and, and that's the kind of thing where Obviously, you're not going to have an actor on stage falling into a pound, a pile of manure because that is just un- why not unworkable. Uh, Challenge accepted. <laughs> okay, when we when we make our our stage play, uh, stage debut, the 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 audience is going to love being in the same room as a massive <laughs> pile of manure for two hours. Bullshit! Um, the musical. <laughs> oh shit! The musical. Yeah, I'm um, going to get a giant horse on stage to. To yeah, just do a big shit and then we'll <laughs> sing about it. <laughs> um, but one of the things here where you could have you could have spun this in the movie in a way that is much more engaging to the audience and actually hammered home this point a lot better is every so often after he gets this coat, he could notice another stain on it, or he could slip over and like get a big mud stain on it um accidentally spill a cup of tea down it things like that throughout the movie this could be a repeating comedic break where the audience is in on the joke and it's like oh yes haha he's he's further ruined this white this white raincoat but instead it doesn't use it at all and you're kind of left wondering why did you leave this scene in because you're thinking Okay, well, all this shows is that yeah, maybe John Ham doesn't understand the situation, but yeah, and he spends a lot of time telling you how he knows nothing about farming because he's a yank. Yeah, because because America famously has no farms. Um, the, the one of the few things, one of the things that few people know about America is there are zero farms in America. Um, but obviously, you know, he's meant to be this metropolitan elite character who doesn't understand what it's like to to work hard and go put your hand up a horse's ass and things like that um but yeah but, but they didn't show that did they but in they yeah shied in, away from it like it shied away <laughs> from doing anything of consequence but in yeah instead all you're left with is john ham uh giving his cousin a nice gift albeit not fully thought out his cousin is then rude to him about it and nothing of consequence happens to that nice gift he then uh invites this woman to new york and they go see the ballet and he kisses there and you're like okay are you meant to think that this is like the bad love rival because at the moment he's not that okay yeah he's a bit short-sighted and doesn't understand the way that things work in the real world but he's not an unpleasant individual and no you kind of just think why are you here 
And if it is a romance, which I guess it's kind of supposed to be, it doesn't really execute it properly, does it? Because he, if he's supposed to be that kind of there just to be that threat, and he's not really, he's just sort of there. He's John Hamm. He's in a couple of scenes, and then that's kind of it. It's just like, well, what was the point in any of it? When it then spends like a 25-minute scene of them talking to each other about how much they might love each other or might not, and because they were kids and they played together and they both know how to put their hand up a horse's ass and whatever. It's <laughs> like it spends 25 minutes on that. Meanwhile, John Hamm's on the plane and he's found someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he talks to someone on the plane for a little bit and then is in love with them instead because that's how love works. And that's more like what happens in like a trashy romantic comedy. Yeah. So that was yeah. just really incongruous. It was very strange. And you just, like I said, you kind of think there's zero point to this, this plot thread at all. Um, and this person's just yeah okay they, they've chatted a bit on a plane although the big part of it is the fact that she wanted to go to new york so she could go to the ballet because there are uh, the film spends about 10 minutes trying to be black swan weirdly <laughs> like the music was That's rubbish as well did you did you notice that that actually the score was kind of terrible and i very rarely say that because most of the time a score is well executed it's like you know good design 99 invisible you don't necessarily always noticed the score but i noticed the score was bad here mainly because a lot of the time it was doing sort of quite nice folky pastoral stuff and then suddenly it goes back to crashing tchaikovsky and that's like completely <laughs> against the mood of the film oh it's, it's trying um, to be black swan yeah it's it's complete that's completely right and obviously there's no ballet in ireland um, no that is established here she has to travel to new york to go see the ballet she could there's definitely no ballet in Ireland and definitely no ballet in They've uh, never heard of to Tchaikov Sky. <laughs> exactly. Um which again it and that's the other issue is this movie again it sets up this barrier between if you live in the countryside, you have no culture. Uh if you live in the 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 city, you have no understanding of what it's like. Even though her dad somewhere. had a record player with Swan Lake yeah yeah exactly it's very odd and and again that that ties into these incredibly boring tropes and it also ties into these idealized and um repressive ideas about ireland because i don't know about you but when i visit ireland and it's a country i love i never think of it as being being this backwards rural place no the people of ireland are intelligent aware probably more so on the whole than the people of britain i'd say i'd feel comfortable saying that yes yeah. <laughs> having spoken to people from all all kinds of places in ireland they have an awareness and uh, a rationality that is entirely missing from a lot of the idiots that we share this country with yep. um so th- this idea of ireland as being this backwards place is just completely untrue um and this movie ties into that idea and it shows it in this romanticized way and it's like no that's not that's not right at all you can go and watch ballet in in ireland <laughs> there is such a thing as ballet um, yeah so it's and yeah, even it's, if you work on a farm you do sometimes go into the city or the town to do stuff it's not like yeah yeah it uh, wasn't really clear when this was set but it's in like relatively recent history isn't it yeah so and, and, and like, clearly he could drive to town if he wants to <laughs> Clearly, the only reason that they ever go outside of their two houses is to go to the airport, apparently. Yeah. That's the only reason that they go. It's really strange. Um, 
the 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 setting of this movie is just bizarre it really is um but she's and, a white swan yeah well she's got to be something because she's certainly not a fully fledged female protagonist of a movie is she no she's not a honeybee she's apparently both a beautiful flower and a white swan and at one point yeah she's talking about the white swan in the ballet and john ham goes you're the white swan yeah and i was like did you realize what you were saying when you said that john ham did you realize how <laughs> stupid that sounded it was probably like two days work for him oh yeah 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 i can't imagine that it was a lot of work for him um but what what gets me though is that this movie really focuses a lot on Jamie Dornan's character in terms of his motiva- motivations and his struggles um, in terms of, oh, I don't know how to talk to people. I'm a bit strange. I can't live up to my dad's expectations of my farming, um, which is a plot thread that's just completely ignored, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Once Christopher Walken's dead, it's just like, I'm on my own. Now, when am I going to get married to the sexy neighbor who I love? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and that happens all the time throughout this this movie. Like even the, the main friction, which is we've got a bit of a land dispute, sort of, just never really goes anywhere. It's it's really no, they just sort of chat about it. Yeah, it's really odd. Um but you never really understand Emily Blunt's character's motivations and desires. You have this vague thing about her being strange and artistic and wanting to dance and being the white swan. But that's all stuff that's kind of thrown at her by the narration. And you never really get a chance to understand what she's really about. Even though there are these scenes where she's not next to Jamie Dornan, you know, she does travel off to New York to go and see the ballet and, and have a bit of schmoochy time with um, with John Hamm. After which she says, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, for like 10 scenes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd like it if she just did that after everything that she did in New York. Like she goes and gets a slice and is like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, pizza. <laughs> pizza I've bagel. Never, never had pizza before I because I'm from Ireland and all we have is stew and Guinness. Yeah, um, <laughs> there is. there was a bit where she demanded that he drink Guinness, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. Just, just like, the ridiculous. film was nearly over and I was just like, oh, come on. <laughs> You tick another thing on your island bingo card. I'm surprised um, you didn't open a cabinet and like 15 bottles of Baileys fell out or something. <laughs> it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Truly ridiculous. Um, or, or yeah, she she like gets on gets gets on the metro and is like, oh my god, I'm on a metro. Dear me. Um, goes, oh my god, when she gets on a plane because she's from Ireland and they don't have flying very often. No, they just have horses. It's just. Oh, it's so ridiculous. Um, I I found this film far worse to watch than Leap Year or um, or P.S. I Love You. Unfortunately, I think you are right, and I think I would say the same thing, even though I hate both of those films. <laughs> there's there's a weird enjoy enjoyment in watching something like that. Where it's like, oh, what what stupid shit's going to happen next? What goofy nonsense is going to happen next? At least in this, it's just like I didn't care what happened next because it was so turgid and dour and uh, and weird and it just like yeah, not in a humorous way at all. Yeah, see, Once see, Christopher Walken was gone, it was just like, right, this film is over. See, I think PSO Love You is far superior to both of those movies because at least it has that interesting conceit of dead letters from your dead husband. Yeah. Um, Although in this, his, their dead parents showed up at the wedding at the end. Yeah. And I was just yeah. like, fuck off. Come on. <laughs> They're ghosts. 
Yeah. Ghosts that love to go down the pub and sing a song. Yeah. And the, the, whilst they're having a, a voiceover saying that if an Irishman dies while telling a story, he comes back. I've never heard that before, but that might be true. <laughs> Maybe it is true. Maybe it is true. Yeah. Which means that they all died while they were telling stories so that they could come back and be at their son's wedding. I mean, and what, like, what's... The, the way it handled that and the way it handled all the deaths and stuff is suddenly out of nowhere got really cloying in a way that just was a real turn off. Suddenly in the middle, everyone's dying and they're just like, what? And then they, he has like a long conversation with Christopher Walken about how much he loves him and he's his daddy, even though he was clearly like a grumpy and shit father. And they're just like, come on, I don't believe that. Yeah, it's really odd, isn't it? And they, they all just, they do all just suddenly die. The movie starts with a death. Um, yeah. And then it halfway through, there's two deaths. And, then... and they give Jamie Dornan that conversation, at least to try and explore his character and his relationship with his father. With Emily Blunt's character, it's just like, oh, whatever, her mom's dead. <laughs> yeah. Here's sounds... like, literally, they just like show it. There's no dialogue or no discussion or no anything. It's like, oh, her mom's dead. Whatever. Yeah, you just get, you just get a kind of montage, don't you? And that's it. And then she's just looking a bit sad for a bit, and it's never really explored. It's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, truly, truly awful. Um, but, but it's interesting what you said about Irishmen, if they die whilst telling a story, they come back as a ghost. Is that what you said? I, I think that's what the movie wants us um, to believe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, does that mean that Bram Stoker is actually a vampire? He's actually the undead. I can believe that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. How else um, would he know about it? <laughs> oh, yeah, quite exactly, exactly. Um, so uh, this movie is just so bad, truly, truly awful. Yeah, and it's not a shit piece because it's too boring. Oh, no, it's too much of a slog. No. Uh, it has no ambition at all. Um, it's just You're right. It's a very low ambition film, isn't it? It's yeah. a low energy, yeah. low ambition. Yeah, low everything. Do you think that the performances do anything to try and salvage it? Like because unfortunately cause... I don't. No, I mean, because Emily like Blunt I said... is someone I really like, and everything else I've seen her in, I've really liked her performance. I think she's fantastic, but even in this, I thought her performance was terrible. I mean, part of that is that her accent is truly awful. Yeah. Um, but even Jamie Dornan's accent is bad. I don't quite understand how they did that. A man from Northern Ireland himself. Well, it's because he's trying to put put on the the like farmer, the fake farmer yeah, cliche on, Irish accent. He's, isn't he's it? putting Which on is different to the Northern Ireland accent. Yeah, he's he's putting on the 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 Southern Irish hick farmer accent, and it's like, no, why? Yeah, Russell Crowe's Irish accent as a like ghost. <laughs> weird supernatural demon thing in Winter's Tale was better than that. Oh man. He's got the goddamn horse. He's got the horse. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, listeners, if you haven't watched Winter's Tale, come Christmas time, do watch Winter's Tale. It is, that is a shit piece. That's a shit piece. <laughs> I uh, I might actually make that my annual Christmas watch. It might be added to the list, to be honest, because that movie is quite something. Whereas I'm I'm never going to watch Wild Mountain Time ever again. Hell no. I, I regret wasting my time on it. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. we're getting a great show out of it, so it's never a bad thing, but I do kind of want that time back. Yeah, it's it's truly awful. Um, yeah, have you got anything else you'd like to say about Wild Mountain Time? No, I don't think so. Don't watch it. Watch something else. <laughs> Go get oh, Also, this, I do like the folk song Wild Mountain Time that it takes the title from and that they sing in the film multiple times. 
but it does also sound like the song I gave my love a chicken. It had no bone. <laughs> that the guy's singing in Animal House when um, John Belushi comes up and smashes his guitar. And once you've heard that, you can't unhear it. So no, no, you're definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, it's oh, man. I hated this film. I'm sorry. Yeah, I feel I feel bad for John Patrick Shanley because Moonstruck was great. Go and watch Moonstruck. Instead he's of this, he's done some great stuff. He really has done some great stuff. Um, but this is a real, real miss. Um, yeah. Just a few, a few um, of the of the critical responses to this. Um, oh, good. So the Observer liked it. They said that wasn't our its... main man, Peter Bradshaw, was it? I think <laughs> no. I read it, a few of him saying it was rubbish. Yes. Um, no, he. Uh, so, so the Observer said. Um, it is or observer, might I say, which I'm not sure if that's the same thing as the observer. I'm just looking on Metacritic here. But Observer said, at its core, the fabled and beautifully shot love story of two witty and eccentric childhood sweethearts. Um I'm is not sure. a different film. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um it's uh yeah, very odd. Um, San Francisco Chronicle said the gentle spirit of Wild Mountain Time envelops us early to the extent that midway through, even though there is very little less to resolve, we are in its spell. Piss off, <laughs> San Francisco Chronicle. <laughs> You're wrong. I was under some kind of spell, but it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a good one. Um, yeah, I was under some kind of horrible necromancy. I think. Um, it's uh yeah this movie is terrible so so going down to some accurate reviews um so uh here's here's one from uh from robbie collin in the telegraph oh, i like a, robbie collin a film so frivolous and twee i felt as if my brain were leaking out of my nostrils as i watched <laughs> that's fair and, and you know fair. you know me i don't particularly like overly negative reviews of stuff i think sometimes there's a cruelty that can come across you know some films but this is a movie that yeah where the review is just doing it for effect yeah but but this is a movie that didn't try to do anything no it's 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 unambitious it's dull it's offensive to an entire nation <laughs> um get out world mountain time i've got no yeah. time for you get in the bin <laughs> <laughs> it's truly truly awful film and I, when we when we watch and we talk about an awful film, I want to recommend it in in the way that you should watch it because it's awful. But we can't do that here, can we? No, no, um, not worth watching at all. Um, so how are we? How are we going to to rate this? <laughs> oh God, how many people? How many Irish people died and in the middle of a story and came back to be a ghost at your wedding? <laughs> so I'm going to give. I'm going to give it the same score as the number of times that Christopher Walken randomly pauses in his sentences in this movie. I'm going to give it a three. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That sounds about right. Three out of 20. Yeah. There's a lot of empty seats at this wedding. Yeah, there's there's the odd moment, which is kind of enjoyable. I liked seeing Jamie Dornan propose to a horse. Um, That was good. Uh, Christopher Walken is enjoyable, even though his performance is by far the worst in the movie. Um, his was like bad and enjoyable, bad, just yeah, about. It was yeah. just the right side of that line. Um, but all the yeah. others were awful. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, 
yeah so so not good so up next i did have a movie in mind as explained to you offline which we don't watch because yes which is going to be a sort of a thematic follow-up a thematic follow-up but but there's a serious creep factor to it which i only just realized and i don't want to give it the fucking time of day all the people in it the time of day um so i was going to go back to one of our requests um and and do that but then also you know, as uh, across this episode, we've we've talked about the works of John Patrick Shanley. So I'm going to give you a three-way choice here. Oh, okay. We've got Tom Hanks' Fights a Volcano, Gorilla's Fight a Volcano, or the mystery movie from our requests list. Well... As much as I'm, I'm intrigued by both of the volcano movies. I think we should do the mystery request just for a sort of a palate cleanser, perhaps. Sure, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so we'll be watching "They Came Together," which was requested a while ago. Ah, okay. Um, which is a movie I've never seen, but I am intrigued to. I've not seen watch. it either. Yes, I have vaguely heard of it. I don't even know who's in it or anything. So great, excellent stuff. That's the kind of thing that we like. Could it be as bad as Wild Mountain Time? Well, I'm sure it can't. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, sure it's, it's not. not. I'm sure it's not. Oh, cool. Dear. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in. We really, really appreciate it. If you did watch Wild Mountain Time, we're sorry. If you didn't, watch something else. <laughs> Let us know what you think of Wild Mountain Time. Yeah, please do. You can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. Email us bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail.com. There's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money. It's kind of like a tip jar. Uh, no sign ups, no obligations, nothing like that. Just if you like what we do, throw a coin in the jar. We'll rattle the tin at you. Toss a coin to your podcast because it is so funny. I just realised you've not watched The Witcher, so you won't get what I'm singing. No, I'm, our listeners I've, I've heard that. I'm aware of that reference, though. Aware, aware of the reference. I've heard it referenced elsewhere. There we go. Um, but yeah, uh, give us some money. We had to spend money on Wild Mountain Time. And yeah, we're poor and angry. Help me, I'm poor. <laughs> so yeah. Thanks a lot. We really, really do appreciate you listening. Um, and we'll be back next week to talk about They Came Together. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Alrighty. Bye. I gave my love a cherry that had no stone. I gave my love a chicken that had no Sorry.